If you think about it, the Indiana courts are a real-world, hands-on lesson in civics. So much of what goes on in the courtroom ties directly back to constitutional rights, our responsibilities as citizens, and the role of government in our lives. Now, thanks to the Indiana Court of Appeals, you don't always have to visit a classroom or a courtroom to get a taste of civics education. I'm John McGauley, and on this episode of In Session, we're talking about Appeals on Wheels, delivering lessons in the role of the courts across the state of Indiana. I am joined today by, without a doubt, the most distinguished group of guests we've ever had on In Session so far. From the Indiana Court of Appeals, Judge Margaret Robb, Judge Nancy Vedic, and Judge Paul Mathias, a son of Allen County, and I'm proud to note a former judge right here in the Allen Superior Court. Your Honors, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Before we really dig in, I, I would be remiss if we didn't take a second to introduce you all. Would you take a moment to introduce yourselves and talk about your path to where you are today? Let's start with Judge Rob. Okay. I'm from West Lafayette, practiced in Lafayette for 20 years. I'm sort of my second career. I have a bachelor's and master's in business and worked in that area and then went to law school. Uh, as I said, practiced uh, for 20 years in um, Tippecanoe County. I was never a trial court judge and was appointed to the Court of Appeals in 1998. I am from Porter County, grew up in Porter County, went to every school from kindergarten to law school in Porter County, then became a Porter County prosecutor, chief deputy prosecutor ultimately, and then went into private practice in Lake County with my husband for eight years before becoming a trial court judge in Porter County, and then was appointed by Governor O'Bannon to the Court of Appeals. I sense a very strong Porter County theme. You've got it. And I did that only because Judge Matthias is to my right, and you're going to hear a very strong Allen County theme. And if I didn't already ruin your introduction, Judge Matthias. <laughs> no, that's fine. I uh, grew up here in Fort Wayne. I uh, went to public schools here in Fort Wayne. was fortunate to get a scholarship to go to Harvard. Graduated from Harvard, Indiana Law School, Bloomington. At that time, it was not the Maurer Law School, it was Indiana Law School at Bloomington. I practiced for six years with what ultimately became Baker and Daniels here in Fort Wayne. And then I became the uh, Allen County Small Claims Referee. And uh, that's where my life in the judiciary began. And I was fortunate enough to be appointed to the trial court bench by Governor By, and then the appellate court bench by Governor O'Bannon one month after Judge Vedic. Fantastic. Now, wait a minute, guys. You all had to be here in Indiana. I came here as soon as I learned what a great place it was. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's good. That's good. We're, we're going to put that on a loop. <laughs> now, maybe back to Judge Matthias for our, our first question. For anybody listening who's not already familiar with how the judiciary works, would you give me a quick Court of Appeals 101? In the hierarchy of the courts, what's the role of the Court of Appeals? In the hierarchy of the courts, the Court of Appeals is the court of the, I won't say mandatory, but if you want to appeal a case, the Court of Appeals is where you come. And it's your only appeal of right, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You get one shot in the trial court, you get one shot at the appellate court, and the Court of Appeals is that one shot at the appellate level. After us, it's all up to the Supreme Court as to whether they want to accept your case and hear it or leave the Court of Appeals ruling in place. And probably about 95% of the time, I haven't done the statistics recently, but about 95% of the time, if not more, the Supreme Court leaves 
the legal question as decided by the Court of Appeals. So it, it's a very humbling experience to know that you're writing what will become, for the most part, the law in the state of Indiana. One of our colleagues describes it that the trial courts are like the on-field referees were like the instant replay and the Supreme Court is the is the commissioner. You're when they toss back to New York to see if it was really a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> well now the the three of you are in Fort Wayne today for a really special reason. Let's let's talk about that. You normally hear your cases at the State House in Indianapolis, but you you listen to arguments today at the Allen County Courthouse as part of your traveling oral arguments program, otherwise known as Appeals on Wheels. Judge Rob, I understand you're the most most senior member of the panel. Just uh, means I'm old. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where to go. <laughs> Perhaps you could talk about Appeals on Wheels, talk about how it started and why you travel the state to show Hoosiers how the courts work. We always did oral arguments on the road, not often, but when we had our 100th anniversary, we thought it would really be a good experience to really map out the state and make a concerted effort to go to every county. And I can't, do you know how long it was before we got to all 92 counties? Uh, December of 2019, we got to all 92 counties. counties. Wow. And there are some counties that we go to more often than not, but I think we all believe it's an important part of, part of the mission of the court, which is not just to decide cases, but to make sure that the citizens understand who we are and what we do. We go to high schools, we go to colleges, we do them for bar associations. In fact, I did one for a Rotary Club. Mm -hmm. um, we've done them for independent living facilities. We're kind of like Field of Dreams, invite us and we will come, <laughs> because we do think it's important. People tend to know about trial courts they tend to know about supreme courts but there isn't often a lot of conversation about what this intermediate appellate court does and i think the fact that we go people can ask us questions when the oral argument is done shows that that we're a pretty normal group of people yeah and, and this isn't the first time you've been in allen county no we've come no. yeah allen county is one of the counties we frequently come to in large part i would mm -hmm. guess because of my connection here we appreciate it now, for just a little bit of background, when did the program begin? How many Appeals on Wheels hearings have there been over the years for anybody? I don't know when it began, mm -hmm. but I think we've done about 600 wow. Appeals on Wheels. We've done more than any other appellate court in the nation, and we feel like it's really important for civic education mm -hmm. and for mentoring. When I was a high school student, I had never seen a woman who was a lawyer. And so I think it's really important for us to get out there and show that they can do this too. In your hearing today afterwards, you did a question and answer session where lawyers and people, just anybody who was in the audience, got the chance to stand up and, and ask you a question. We do that every time. Yeah. Every time we do an oral argument, whether it's a high school or not, sometimes the first question is, what salary do we make in high school? <laughs> There's very good questions, and we're able to connect with these high schoolers. And beforehand, what we do is we have, or after, like we did here, we have lunch. So we had lunch with the Allen County Bar, or we'll have lunch with certain uh, students from high schools that are picked and chosen to come and have lunch with us. Us, and it's a really good opportunity That's for exciting. us and for them. You may be back to Judge Vedic. Can you give me the, the Cliff Notes version of the case you all listened to today? The Cliff Notes <laughs> version. A woman was arrested. She had a jury trial. 
it was during the COVID, mm -hmm. and the witnesses had to wear masks. And the question became, was that a violation of the Confrontation Clause of the Sixth Amendment or the Indiana Constitution, which requires face-to-face -face confrontation? Interesting. Now, to the casual observer, you know, it may sound like a, a routine day in the court, and it really is, it really, really is a unique master class in civics. You take questions from the audience, like I mentioned afterwards, and attendees can even talk about the case. I believe you did a CLE over the lunch hour today. But it isn't just for the legal community. Maybe back to Judge Mathias. Who else is this program for? Who's been in your audience in the past? We've had a, a range of people who listen, uh, come and listen and watch our oral arguments. And I think the most important reason we do this is because we want people throughout Indiana to understand the role of the courts, and specifically our court, with regard to the judiciary. Mm -hmm and to make the judiciary accessible to them. Here we are, three judges on the Court of Appeals, and we're willing to talk with them about anything except the case that we just heard. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks to the accessibility of our court, and it speaks volumes not only to Hoosiers mm -hmm. uh, who come and know that the Court of Appeals is just as approachable as their neighbor down the street, but also, as Judge Vadig spoke to this point, and that is role models with regard to if I can do it, you can do it, is, is basically the message that we give not only to the general public, but specifically and especially to high school students. It's very important for them to know that this is an accessible career. It's an unusual career, and in some ways it's very difficult to get here, but you can. And in my case, public high school students and the, these folks here, the public high school students can become great attorneys and, and do this sort of work for the benefit of the state of Indiana. So, so many times we get questions about how do you become a lawyer? You know, what schooling do you need? What does it take to become a judge? And you can just see the gears turning in their head thinking, gee, maybe it could be me. And they, it humanizes us. You know, here I am, this Porter County person, and all of a sudden from Portage High School, I become, and when we went back to Portage High School, there were cheers when they said, oh, she's a, she's a graduate of Portage High School. And I can just see them thinking, this could be me. I could do this. You know, as part of the accessibility, we also webcast all of our oral arguments, mm -hmm. and we archive them. So you can go back and listen to one that we had a week ago, a year ago. They're all there. I think it's also been a great benefit to other lawyers who are having their first oral argument. That kind of opportunity, that hands-on opportunity to really touch people, even even in the positions you're in today, like when you, I think Judge Vedic said, when you see the wheels turning, mm -hmm. that's got to be exciting to still to have that kind of impact on everyday Hoosiers. It's mm -hmm. really fun, particularly when you go to high schools, and as Judge Vedic said, they, they may not know any lawyers. I didn't come from a family of lawyers, so it's fun to watch their reactions to who we are and what we do and why we do it. I mentioned in the introduction to this episode that, that thanks to the Court of Appeals, you don't have to visit a classroom or a courtroom to get a taste of civics education. Maybe for all three of you, over the years, 
What kinds of venues have you heard cases in? It runs the gamut, doesn't it? I think Maggie did a nursing home one time. Is that true? Well, it was an independent living facility. (laughs) But it was people who weren't completely independent. (laughs) But, you know, as I said, we're kind of like field of dreams. You know, if you have a group that wants to hear us, you know, we will find a way to come, whether it's an independent living facility. As I said, I did one at a Rotary Club for their lunch meeting. Kiwanis. Kiwanis. High schools, colleges. So, you know, we're pretty open. If if you have a, a club or an organization that would like to have one, if we can fit it into our schedule and we can get it to work, we will do our best because we think it's such an important part of what we do. Fantastic. Now, building off of that, and maybe for all three of you, I know a lot of judges, yourselves obviously uh, included, have a genuine passion for civics education. What are some of the biggest aha moments you've noticed on the road? What are some of the biggest knowledge gaps that come up when it pertains to the courts? One of the first things that happens when we speak to audiences is that often we'll have, especially a high school student, step up and, well, you can do anything you want to do as, as a judge. And it is a terrific moment of civics education to explain to them that, no, we can't do whatever we want. The case before us has facts that we can't change. And there is law that's applicable to facts like the ones in front of us, and we can't change the law either. Our job is to apply the law to the facts. And that seems to surprise a good number of students that we're just not these omnipotent Mm -hmm. uh, judges (laughs) who can do whatever they want. Or they'll ask, where are the witnesses? Right. Right. Where's the jury? Where's the witnesses? And then we have to explain, have to, and we do explain the difference between, say, a trial court Mm -hmm. where over a million cases are heard compared to the 2,000 Mm -hmm. that we hear and why we're different and the 80 that the Supreme Court. So just in a simple question, you can have a real deep conversation about, again, who we are and what we do and why. Mm And it seemed like just taking the temperature of the room after you were done today, that people were excited and felt like they'd learned something and and came away happy that they came. I think that's always Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. And it's different. Generally, we take cases that a high school student would be interested in are much different than the cases that a bar association wants to hear. And the questions are, of course, deeper and different questions with the law. Mm -hmm. With the bar association, you heard the lawyers, and their interests are very much different than what happens at a high school or a rotary club. I don't know if Judge Mathias has, but I know Judge Vedic and I have done them at a a business executive Mm -hmm. MBA program. And those people tend to ask the lawyers a lot of questions Mm -hmm. because those are the people these executive MBA people are going to be dealing with. So that's kind of an interesting difference with the audience in terms of the things they're curious about. Judge Matthias might have touched on this a little bit with his uh, question about omnipotence in, in, in the judiciary, but what are some of the biggest misconceptions you all run across? You see so many people about judges. What do you find that people want to learn about you as, as individuals? How we got there, that we really are just pretty normal people who maybe, I mean, I certainly never thought about becoming a judge. I never thought about becoming a lawyer in my first career. So. We're just kind of maybe educated differently, but we're not completely different from an awful lot of other people. Judge Vedic, any surprises you run into on the road? I think they think we're different because we're a judge, but we're just people trying to do the best we can in our job. We're very much public servants. 
All of us have spent our career serving the public in a lot of capacities, not only just in the judiciary, but many of us teach or are part of organizations and do a lot of other things that try to make this world a little better. You know, we have families, just, we have like, families. just like everyone else. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Grandkids. I, it, it, it's also, at least in, in my experience, it's really, again, an opportunity for them to take a look at us. And I think most of us in, in these venues explain our educational background in responding to a question and then you can see people in the audience think well that's not too different from what i intend to do so perhaps i could be a judge on the court of appeals if i put my mind to it so when randy shepherd was chief justice he had this project which was a videotape called faces of justice i don't know if any of any of you remember but what it was was all the judges just saying this is who i am this mm -hmm. is what i do i'm you know, active in the Kiwanis Club, I'm active, you know, as a, a grandparent or whatever, and put all these vignettes together and then put it in the hands of all of the judges just to go around in the community to let people know, you know, we're just like you. What a great idea. Mm -hmm. Now, we've talked a lot about getting to know the judges and getting to know the, the people behind the robes. There is a new book out about the Court of Appeals. I, I jumped online the other day to find the book, and there were only four copies left on Amazon. So there's clearly an audience for, for histories like this. And the description of your book is that the Court of Appeals of Indiana spotlights the court and the Hoosier men and women who have served on the court since its founding. I had a chance earlier today to, to flip through this and found interesting vignettes about all three of you. Judge Robb, you're the first woman to serve as Chief Judge of the Court of Appeals. It was only 110 years. Just a few minutes, yeah. <laughs> judge Vedic was a championship gymnast. And Judge Matthias is the, the technological heart of the Court of Appeals. No question. And, I, and also the guy who got me to start using Max. <laughs> <laughs> now, for Judge Vedic, what inspired you all to write the book? The Supreme Court had a book, and they published it. And then I think it was maybe 2015 that I said, we need to do this. We need to follow their example, because a lot of us didn't know the history of judges beforehand. So at that time, I assigned Judge Najem. We signed a contract and hired a person to get together all of these studies on all of these different judges. So law clerks helped, and judges helped, and lawyers helped to write these. And we think it's really important important to know. I think it's important for me to know the history of the Court of Appeals, and it's done in an interesting manner. I guess I would also add to that that I'm a big believer in context. Mm -hmm. The context explains a lot of what happens or has happened, and I think that the book provides a lot of context for us as individuals, mm -hmm. how we became judges, and what we do on the court. It is a a good addition to knowledge to have done this book. A good addition to anybody's Indiana History Library. Well, maybe along those same lines, Judge Mathias, what's the most surprising thing that people will find when they read the book? I think that we've had several colleagues who have had distinguished careers mm -hmm. 
in other walks of life. And I think that if Judge Robb is an example. Mm-hmm. She she was a distinguished attorney in private practice mm-hmm. in a very different area of the law, bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. And I just think that knowing those bits and pieces about judges, even judges before us, helps to provide the full context for what we do and how we do it. Because we're charged in one sense with bringing all of our knowledge, day-to-day knowledge of the things that we've had, experiences that we've had in our past, we're allowed to and expected to bring that to bear as we make decisions on the Court of Appeals. So again, learning about each person adds to the general context of the Court of Appeals. We'll get you a book too. Yes. I, I will confess that you uh, already have one. Your uh, your staff provided me with one okay. uh, right after I ordered it on Amazon, huh? and she told me to cancel it. So <laughs> good, you good, know, good, good. Maybe we'll leave that in the show. Maybe we won't. Something that Judge Matthias said is is really true. There are there are some states where we, you know, we are geographically selected, but constitutionally we sit as one court. There are states that people are geographically selected, and they will never work with someone who's not in their geographic geographical district. And I think one of the things that makes us not completely unique, but I think it does make us work much better, is that because we sit as one court, everyone on the court will work with everyone on the court in the course of a little more than two years. And I think it helps to provide significant consistency because you do get to know everybody. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different personalities and thoughts. And by being able to work with everyone on the court, you learn. I I mean, every time I'm with someone that, you know, I learn a little something. It may be a pretty routine case that some would say, but I might not have been with those same two judges the last time I had that issue. And so I think we have a wonderful opportunity to really learn ourselves Mm -hmm. as we go because the mix of people, I might be with Judge Vedic on a case, but Judge Matthias wouldn't have been the third Mm -hmm. person. Someone else would. And now that it's the three of us, that's a different dynamic. And I think it really makes us a better court Mm -hmm. by being able to do that with everyone on the court. We learn our similarities, our differences. I think it's a great opportunity for better opinion writing. Uh, Maybe along those lines, what kind of feedback have you all gotten about the book? Wonderful feedback. Yeah. Wonderful. I was at the Lake County Bar Association, Mm -hmm. and there were three of us having an oral argument there, and we brought our books, and we thought, who's going to be interested in these books? You know, who's interested in the history of the Court of Appeals? And we sat at a table and said, if you're interested, take your book and we'll sign it. There was a line of people waiting to have us sign their book. And I think it is interesting. You know, all of us have different expertise, as Paul says, and each case has a little different flavor. And I just think it's helpful even for the litigants to look at those who are on the bench now and say, oh, he's interested in this and she's interested in evidence. It's really helpful for the attorneys, but it's just fun. Fun. It is. It's a fun book. I think it's a page and a half per Mm -hmm. judge so that there's no long, oh, and then they did this and then they You could get delve a lot deeper. It's fun. It's very easy to digest. Yeah. 
Quick follow-up, though, is the price of the book, $18.91, intentionally a, a throwback to the year the court was founded. That's what I heard. Was That was kind of an it's inside true. joke. It's true. <laughs> it is true. Oh, you've asked great questions. Great okay. questions. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, I had a little help. <laughs> <laughs> the red in my script is Anne. <laughs> There's a lot of red there. There's a lot of yeah. red there. It's only about half black. You know, as an aside, we are very fortunate to have Anne. Oh, my goodness. I mean, she, I mean, aside from the stuff that she has to get us set up, she really does provide us with advice when we have not legal issues, but just in terms of making things mm-hmm. go smoothly, which make a lot of other things go smoothly. And so we really are extraordinarily fortunate to have someone of her expertise with the court. Um, She's been a tremendous boon to the people with whom we deal because they're not going to call one of us and so, who do I call? Ghost, but no. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, Anne is just on the spot with the right advice, the right information. Mm-hmm. Don't call this person. They keep, won't be able to help you, but she'll tell them how to get the information they want. So, you know, again, it's a part of the transparency that we are very fortunate. And, and I, say, I said this today when we were doing the Q&A. We are fortunate that we have good relationships with the other branches of government. We couldn't do this if the legislature didn't fund us to do this to have money to yeah. have someone like Ann to be able to have us go out to counties and not charge you for having us come out and I like to tell legislators it's great you know you're doing it for your constituents but you're doing it for us too mm-hmm. and we are very lucky that we have that kind of relationship not all courts do so pat yourself on the back Indiana yeah ditto Ann is a great face mm-hmm. to the court and she yodels Since we've talked so much about her, and I think I'm now obligated to leave it in the show, I want to mention her last name. I'm going to mention her name, Anne Fuchs, from the Court of Appeals. It's actually my experience with Anne at a conference we were both at back in August that led us to start doing this. Mm -hmm. That was the big idea we brought back from that conference. She had me stand up with some South Bend high school students doing moot court training for them. So before we wrap up, if we've whetted the appetite of a listener or a potential audience to to want to take part in a future Peels on Wheels program, where do they go to get more information? Ann. Go to Ann. That's Ann Fuchs. Well, this has been a really interesting and educational conversation. It's great to hear that, contrary to the rumors, civics is not dead in the state of Indiana. It has really been an honor having the three of you on the program today. Judge Margaret Robb, Judge Nancy Vedic, Judge Paul Mathias of the Indiana Court of Appeals, thanks for being on In Session. Thank, Thank you. Thank pleasure. Us. This has been In Session, an inside look at the Allen County, Indiana Courts. For more information on the Appeals on Wheels program, call 317-234-4859. And for more on the Allen County Courts, visit allensuperiorcourt.us. Thanks for listening. The next episode is coming right up.